This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. And we're in Genesis chapter 16. We've made it all the way to chapter 16, starting into chapter 16 this morning. And we enter this time, we enter this portion of Abraham's life where Abraham has proven himself to be a man of faith. He's proven himself to be a man who is going to do what what he believes God's asked him to do. He's proven himself to be a man who, who chases after God and follows God and trusts God. And that's a that's all that's important. <clears throat> but he's about to do something. He's about to do something that but the truth is he's just he's just a normal human being. And uh, that's that's why I just really love the people of the Bible. The people that are a part of the stories of the Bible is not because of their perfection. It's because of their imperfection. It's because of God's work in their lives and his proof of how he can take that which is imperfect and glorify himself with it. And uh, Abraham is one of those men. Abram is one, he is one of those men. He's a man who, who, although his life is a life that's lived chasing after God and his will, searching for God's plan for his life, even though that's who is, who, who he is as a man, he is, he does some things that are just what we would call in our modern cu- culture, epic fails. He just epically fails in some areas. And uh, and even God is able to take those situations and glorify himself in them. When we're uh, looking at Abram and his life, and when we're considering the things that are going on in Abram's life, it's good to not only see the days that he walks by faith, and then we also need to see the days that he walks in doubt and uh, see the results of those days and learn from them. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, this is after all this stuff has happened. After Abraham makes a covenant with God, after Abraham puts himself in a position where him and God have this have this eternal contract, this timeless eternal contract with each other. It says Abram's wife had borne him no children. <clears throat> and notice this is a common theme in Abram's life. This is his cross to bear. This is his struggle. And every one of us has a struggle. Every one of us has a has something in our lives that is has been there uh, consistently and has been there naggingly. I, I guess you could say something that's been there, a source of trouble and pain all your life. It might be some issue that you have emotionally. It might be fear. It might be anger. It might be it might be a depression. It could be something outwardly. It could be some kind of lust of the flesh, some kind of desire that you have, some kind of struggle that you have with that. It could be some kind of addiction or some kind of something in your life that you just can't keep from going back to. And that's a common thing in people's lives. And as we go through all those things and all those ideas, 
It could be some kind of something that's missing, maybe a relationship that that has been missing in your life, a relationship with a parent, a relationship with a, a significant other. All these things, every one of those things is a struggle and it's a source of sometimes despair and sometimes it's a source of it's it's it is the it's the one nagging issue of your life. It's the one struggle of your life that you just can't seem to get a grip on. For Abraham, he had a promise from God, and that promise was that he was going to make his lineage a great nation. And his, that that is a clear, over and over promise of God. Abraham even asked God about it when he said, I'm going to be your shield and defender. He said, God, I know that, and I'm appreciative of that, but I don't have any children. And God took him outside and showed him the stars and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your children as many as the stars in the sky. And Abraham, he looked up and he believed God, but yet he wanted to help God. He's in those situations where he just wanted to help God. And he's searching for the plan. And so many times we search for the plan and we search elsewhere from the pl- for the plan other than God. And that's what Abraham does in, in this in this story. It says he said he it said Sarah, his wife, Sarai, his wife, had borne him no children. And she had Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now this is this is one of her household. Abraham, remember, was a man of great wealth. He was a man of great honor. He was a man who was able to defeat the five kings that came down from the north. And uh, he defeated them with a small contingent of men from his own household, a little over 300. He had a huge group of people that made up his 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 entourage, is what you call it. But mainly, it was, he had a huge business. He had a huge business and he had a large household. And uh, his wife, had a maidservant. His wife had an, had an Egyptian lady who was his was her maidservant. And it says Sarah said to, Sarah said to Abraham or Abram. I keep wanting to call him Abraham and her Sarah. They haven't had their names changed yet, but they will soon. And though those are that's going to be a good Bible study also. So Sarah said to Abram, "See now, uh, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children." Now, <clears throat> that's correct. God had kept her from bearing children yet, and and a sense of hopelessness had come over them because they were beginning to be very old, and, and so they could not see a way for the promise of God to actually work out. Now, that's a principle that is, 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 is difficult for any believer to deal with. It is a, it is a, it's a struggle, and it's a real struggle. When we can't see a way for God's promises, for the things he said he's going to do in our lives, for that to actually work. And for Abraham and Sarah, that was true also. They could not figure out how God's promises were actually going to work their way into fruition. And that's a reality in life. That's something that is is real to deal with. When God wants a certain thing in your life, but you can't really see how it's going to ever happen or ever work out, it can cause you to become desperate. It can cause you to become um, someone who stops searching for God's way and starts making your own way. And I've done this many times in my life. I can't enumerate how many times I've actually done that. I actually think I did that in order to go to my first pastorate. I think it was not the right time and the right place. But I knew God had a call on me to do that. And so I just, I saw a little bit of a door there and I just knocked the door open. 
And rather than letting God open the door, I opened the door myself. Now, I learned a lot, and there was a lot of good things that happened. Ultimately, it was me trying to find my own way rather than trying to find God's way. And I would just say to you this morning that that's what's going on with that's what's going on with Sarah, and that's what's going on with Abram. And your husband and wife, when they get together and agree on something, that's a good thing. But when they get together and agree on doing something that is trying to make God's will happen rather than allow God's will to happen, it can be a very negative thing. And that's what happens here. Sarah is trying and she cares. It's important to her. It's important that the promises that God has made to her husband, that they come about because they're her promises also. And uh, and that's always the case with a husband and wife. The promises of God are not separate for them. They're together. And uh, that's an important principle that uh, you need to understand as a believer, that God treats husbands and wives as if they're one, because they are, as far as God's concerned, one flesh. They're together. And, And oftentimes you can see the flaws of your spouse better than anybody else. But that doesn't mean that just because they're so evident to you that they're so horrible. They're not necessarily horrible. They're just more evident to you because you're closer. When there's a flaw in something, the one who is closest to it and sees it the most is the one who's most likely to be aggravated by it. And your flaws and your spouse's flaws are very evident to each other. That being when one of you desires to see God do something in a certain uh, field, in a certain area, and it's not happening, the other one can invest emotionally in that also. And that's what happens with Sarah. She's going, I know that this is a promise of God. I'm married to a really great man. I'm married to a man who is chasing after God. I love that about him. I want him to see and have all of God's best. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to help make the God's best part happen. And she offers her maidservant Hagar to Abram. And God didn't tell her to do that. And Abram, God didn't tell Abram to go along with it. It says, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. That doesn't mean he's going to do it forever, but she can't see that's even possible down the road. And he says, please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. That's just plain and simple. That's what happened. Sarah said, go in and, uh, and conceive a child with my maidservant. And Abraham did it. That That is not an uncommon story. In the first 16 chapters of the Bible, we see that happen in chapter 4, when Eve eats of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then turns around and hands it to her husband, and she says it's good, and he eats it also. They are they, that, that is a common thing that happens between husband and wife. They, uh, they, they drift off into error on their own. They drift off into error because sometimes it's because they're bored. Sometimes it's because they're not chasing after God. And sometimes it's because they don't see a way for God's will to happen for them. And that's what's going on here. Uh, And so then Sarah's wife, then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, uh, the Egyptian, and gave to her and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So this only happened after they got to Canaan for 10 years. It's not like this was a a long period of time. There wasn't a sense of patience in this. It was something that happened not too long after they arrived in Canaan, only 10 years. And you go, they were probably a lot older back then. That's true. But you know what? 
waiting on the Lord and allowing him to open it, open the doors that he's planning on opening in your life, waiting on the Lord is very important. It's a principle that cannot be overstated. It's a principle that cannot be over-evaluated. We need to wait on God. And because of this, there's going to be a great rift in the house, and there's going to be a great rift for a long, long, for centuries and centuries to come. It says, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, and he said, uh, he gave her, and notice she became his wife. There is a, there's an idea of you in the Bible that we see, it's called a concubine, and a concubine, a lot of people think that's, that's some kind of prostitute or something like that. In actuality, that word concubine means second wife. Uh, you had your primary wife, and then you have second wives. Solomon was somebody who had 300 primary wives and 700 concubines. That's that's a little problematic, a little bit difficult to handle. In fact, his wives and his concubines are the ones that led him astray and led him into idol worship and led him to worshiping the gods of the nations around him. God's plan for man, although he is not, it's not necessarily like sin, but God's plan is that there be one man and one woman, that there be a monogamous relationship, a singular relationship. And and this plan that was hatched and probably was a common arrangement in the world around them for Sarah to give her husband to Hagar and for her to be his second wife or his concubine, this plan was probably very common in the area they lived in and very common maybe even from the area they came from. But it was not God's ultimate plan for them. And, and so they're, they're, again, missing out on God's will because they're searching for it. But they're missing out on God's will because they're using the world standards to try to reach God's will. You cannot do that. It is, it is, it's, it's an anathema to actually finding God's will. It says in verse 4 that so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. What happened? She conceived, and when she conceived, she began to be jealous of the position that Sarah had as the first wife. She wanted to take on that role because, obviously, she had conceived a child, and she felt like she had a better position in the household because of her conceiving of a child. And now you've sowed not only, now rather than finding God's will and finding God's best, you sowed discord and disunity in his household, discord and disunity in the intimate spots of his household, in the effort to in some way find God's will. Before you make a decision that is that significant, there probably ought to be a longer period of waiting than 10 years. Now, I've said it before, and I've said, I've said, I'll say it, I said it at the start of the Bible study. I'll say it at the end of the Bible study. There are oftentimes some portion of our life, there's some part of our lives where we feel an emptiness about, or where we feel we're missing out on God's will, or where we feel like that's the struggle of our lives. Like I said, it could be something emotional. It could be something addictive. It could be something ex external that we're missing out on. It could be any number of things. And that nagging thing, that, it, that nagging may be sin, or that nagging struggle of your life causes you to make decisions to try to fix the problem and not allow God in his due time to fix the problem. And oftentimes those fixes lead to more problems. And that I, I can't overemphasize this enough. It is not our job to 
fix our problem. It's God's job to fix our problem. It's our job to follow him in that fixing. We do not have the natural capabilities to overcome sin. That's why we needed Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one who uh, mends us and makes us into the very best that God has for us. And there, there cannot be a finding of God's best, and there cannot be a seeking out of God's best and a receiving of God's best outside of allowing the Holy Spirit to open those doors and do that. And uh, this is one of those stories in the Bible of someone of, of great spiritual fortitude, of great spiritual strength who does it. And so if he could do it, we all do it. And, and we need to learn from that. You need to learn from that. If you're dealing with a situation right now today that, that you don't have, see a hope or an answer to, I can promise you there's only one person who actually has hope and answer, and that's God. He, he's got the answer. There's a reason why you can't find it, because you're human. You need to allow God to open the door for you, and he will open the door for you. Be patient. Be like your heavenly father. He's forbearing and patient with us. Allow time and opportunity for yourself, not just for him, but for yourself. And give yourself a little grace today. Will you give yourself a little grace today? Let God have its due time to work stuff out in your life. Give yourself some grace. You're, if you're a Christian who is walking with God and loving others, you're giving grace to a lot of other people each and every day. Well, give yourself some today. Allow God time to work his plan and his will out in your life. And you bring about the very, very best and allow that to happen. And don't be so hard on who you are because God loves you just like you are. And he's going to change you into the perfect that he's always desired for you to be. I hope on this Tuesday morning that you know his best, you see his best, and you're walking in his best. And I hope that you have all that he's planned for you to have in due season at the right time. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.